lot of conservatives in Wisconsin seem to think the UW-Madison campus is a vast incubator for liberal views to indoctrinate young people. But last week, a Trump supporter spoke on campus. A big-time Trump supporter. Espousing Trumpism as great for America. And he wasn't protested. What? He wasn't interrupted, at least not by the audience. Yeah, I believe the guy who was debating interrupted a couple of times. It was just a fun, civil debate and exercise of free speech. And you and I were there to witness it, Phil, along with 250 or so other people, including many students. It's how I spent my 39th birthday, in fact. Yeah, happy birthday, by the way. It's it's belated now, Scott. Happy belated birthday to you, too. Well, thank you, Phil. That's very nice of you to treat the elderly in the community with some kindness. We're both a year older and not any wiser. We're both Scorpios. Scorpios are mysterious and deadly. Is that true? I don't know. I thought we were, like, cunning and, you know, creative. Well, we're definitely wiser after listening to that 90-minute debate at the Fluno Center last week. We're going to talk about what was said. We're going to talk about free speech on campus. And we're going to play clips from the participants, sponsors, and even a phone call from the chancellor. On this week's Center Stage with Milford and Hands, the Wisconsin State Journal's political podcast from the Sensible Center of Wisconsin Politics. I'm Scott Milford. I'm the editorial page editor for the State Journal. And I'm Phil Hands. I'm the editorial cartoonist for the Wisconsin State Journal. And we are half of the State Journal editorial board. Uh, the freer speecher halfer. <laughs> the better looking half. Let's give people a flavor of this debate last week between Stephen Moore. Uh, Steve, you're a distinguished visiting fellow uh, in economics at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, For many years, you were a senior economic analyst at CNN and also on Fox News. Uh, You were a senior economics writer for the Wall Street Journal for many years on its editorial page and still contribute regularly to to that page. Uh, You served as a senior economic advisor. You're senior at a lot of things. A senior economic advisor to uh, Donald Trump's presidential campaign and help write the Trump tax plan and work on energy and budget issues uh, for candidate Trump. But long before Trump came along, you founded an organization called the Club for Growth. Uh, 25,000 members strong, helped elect free market tax-cutting conservative candidates to come. The introduction there was by Mark Thiessen, conservative columnist for the Washington Post. His column appears most Fridays in the Wisconsin State Journal. He wrote the book, literally about Scott Walker, called Unintimidated. It seems like we can't have a civil discussion about Donald Trump, but we're going to have one tonight. <laughs> and so we are, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a reasoned debate, and we have two uh, wonderful reasonable debaters uh, who are going to uh, address the topic on the table for us tonight, has Trumpism been good or bad for America? Since we are in Madison, I'm going to guess where the audience leans. Um, but uh, as uh, Scott Walker always called it, 46 square miles surrounded by reality. <laughs> but, uh, but I stand... I stand, I sit rather between two, two men who disagree sharply on this point. The other debater was Max Boot. Arguing against Trumpism is my fellow Washington Post columnist, Max Boot. Uh, Max, you're a best-selling author, political commentator, foreign policy analyst. You're Gene Kirkpatrick fellow, senior fellow of National Security Studies at the Council on Foreign Relations uh, and a global affairs analyst for CNN. And like Steve, you spent nearly a decade writing at the Wall Street Journal. Um, you also spent a lot of years advising Republican candidates. You were a senior policy advisor to John McCain's presidential campaign, Mitt Romney's presidential campaign, Marco Rubio's presidential campaign. But last year you published a book called The Corrosion of Conservatism, Why I Left the Right. So this debate is conservatives debating Trump. 
My, my principles have stayed pretty constant. I've left the Republican Party because the Republican Party is betraying the principles that I understood it to, stood for, to stand for in the days like in the 1980s under Ronald Reagan when I joined the Republican Party and it was a pro-free trade, pro-immigration party. It was a party of moral clarity, of standing up to dictators. It has abandoned all those principles and that's why I have abandoned the Republican Party. And Are I'm you frank, a conservative is what I'm asking. Am I a conservative? Well, I don't know what conservative means anymore. Uh, because conservatism has been hijacked by Donald Trump, just as he's hijacked the Republican Party. I, am, I describe myself as being on the center-right. I'm, I'm a moderate. I'm non-aligned. I'm certainly not a Democrat. I'm an independent because I can't sign up with the Elizabeth Warren Democratic Party, but I certainly can't be part of the Donald Trump uh, Republican Party either. And I think I'm a lot truer to my principles than the Republican Party, which once used to uh, go on about the horrors of deficit spending or oppose tariffs and has now embraced deficit spending and tariffs under Donald Trump and also used to talk about the importance of character. That was Max Boot. Stephen Moore seemed to grant a, a lot of Boot's arguments against Trump but kept going back to the economy, stupid. It's better than ever, and he credited Trump. Trump deserves a lot of credit for finally taking on China and calling them out for what they are. China is a menace on the global scene in every single way. They're, they're becoming more and more like you know, Japan circa 1939. Well, I seem to recall that President Trump said that trade wars are good and easy to win. And so far I have seen zero evidence that either of those uh, claims is true. Look, come on, Max. You would vote for Elizabeth Warren. She is against everything you've ever <laughs> ever been for. And and I agree with you, by the way. She is. An, I actually think she's a woman of integrity, and I think she's honest, and I think she would destroy the American economy and put millions and millions of people out of work. How is that a good deal for America? Well, what I see right now is that Donald Trump is destroying the American Constitution, undermining our democracy. How is that a good deal for America? You would, you would still vote for her over... Uh, yeah, because as I, as, I said, as I said, as I said, I don't think, I don't, yeah, she's, she's not, you know, uh, President Obama had trouble getting a much more limited health care plan passed. I don't think there's much chance that Medicare for all, for example, in the way that Senator Warren proposes it is actually going to get passed. You know, Max makes a good point about, you know, many of the flaws that Donald Trump has. We have not elected a saint as president. There's no question about that. Um, so, yeah, a lot of the things that Trump says trouble me. A lot of his actions trouble me. I'm not a lawyer. I agree with Max that the Ukraine phone call was certainly uh, incredibly unwise. Um, and whether it's Ill illegal or not, and whether it you know, justifies impeachment, I think you know, that'll be decided by Congress. Um, but look, Donald Trump changed has changed my thinking a little bit on issues. And I think he has changed the Republican Party. It, it, Max is right. It's not. This is now the Republican Party is the working class party. This is the class. This is the party of the working class. Everything we've done has been to try to increase wages and increase his jobs for middle class Americans. And what we're piling up debt at an unsustainable level, which is something that Republicans like Paul Ryan used to care about. The most important thing for the country is prosperity. If we can actually borrow to create prosperity, I'm all in favor of it. The problem I have with what happened under Obama is we, bear, we borrowed $10 trillion. We got nothing for it. Unfortunately, what I've seen in the last two and a half years is that so much of the right has gone well beyond that towards this uh, cult worship of Donald Trump, 
where they repeat his lies, they buy into his conspiracy theories, they slander his opponents. That, to me, is very deeply troubling, is, is the corruption of American conservatism. Both of the speakers took some questions from the audience. The debate was sponsored by the Center for the Study of Liberal Democracy. When professors and intellectuals say liberal democracy, they mean a democracy that allows its people lots of freedom. It is liberal with freedom. Yeah, not liberal with government spending. (laughs) Big difference. Big difference. Going into this, I knew who I agreed with. I I, I do not believe, nor do you, nor does a majority of Wisconsin, according to the latest Marquette poll, that Trump is making America great. But I thought Stephen Moore's best moment in this debate was probably where he just ticked off all the statistics on the economy. I thought Max Boots' best part was where he said that the first Democrat he had ever voted for was Hillary Clinton. And he said he was ready to vote for Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. This is a guy who worked for McCain and Romney and until recently considered himself a staunch Republican. And he was telling Republicans that it might help you in the short run to get behind uh, Trump, but you will lose your soul. Lose your soul. If somebody had soul in this debate, it was definitely Stephen Moore. He was much more... Engaging, funny, entertaining, you know. Yeah, very sunny personality. Yeah, just a, and we talked a little bit beforehand. Witty. Yeah, very witty, very kind, very. Giant Washington Nationals fan, and he was skipping the first several innings of the seventh game of the World Series so that he could defend Trump's honor in front of college students. I know, wasn't it great? Yeah, that's a commitment. Civil discourse. Max Boot was very dour and sort of like, oh, woe is the world around us, which I guess some people feel. I mean, he made lots of strong points. That's hard he's, to argue he's with He's super sharp, and he really shot down both some of Stephen Moore's f- figures and uh, also just this sense that the economy is raging. In the third quarter of this year, it was 1.9% growth. Yeah. Not the 3 or 4 or, I don't know, 5%. That Trump used to claim we were going to have. I loved. I loved my favorite. My the first chart that Stephen Moore put up had these had had these lines. This line showing the debt going up, and it's like <laughs> this is what the debt is trajectory to go to be at, and this is the le- debt line with three percent growth, which we don't have, and th- nobody's will ever have. But if we get to it, this will be this this will be the debt going down. The best part about this debate was that it was actually occurring on campus. It really negates this idea that conservative views are banned from campus or discouraged or bullied. Prior to the debate, we asked the leaders of the Center for the Study of Liberal Democracy, which is part of the Department of Political Science on campus, we asked them about free speech on campus. This is Richard Avramenko political science professor and director of the center. We run a center on campus, the Center for the Study of Liberal Democracy. It's been around since 2006. It was um, uh, founded in 2006 by Don Downs, who was our our local uh, First Amendment expert. We usually do one big event a year and then host some guest speakers. And now we're doing things like um, something we call the First Amendment Boot Camp for Wisconsin high school principals. So we get 20 of these folks into town for a couple days and Bring in some experts on the First Amendment, and uh, I, I always I tell the high school principals, "Yeah, you should come. We'll try to show you how to not get sued." <laughs> and they laugh, and I say, and then at the same time, if you're not getting sued, you're probably not violating people's First Amendment rights. So we're both happy. We have for 
four or five years, hosted uh, an essay competition on campus. This also is the group that brought Charles Murray to Madison a couple years ago. He's a controversial political scientist and sociologist. Unlike last week's debate, Murray's talk at the Madison Club in downtown Madison brought out protesters. First year, uh, we pushed the, pushed the boundaries a little bit and invited Charles Murray. I always go out and shake the hands of the protesters. Were there about six of them or something? Uh, like eight. But they did break in and pull the fire alarm. I always go and tell them, hey, we're inside theorizing your right to do this. So I'm really glad you're out here doing this. We asked Rick if free speech is in danger on campus. Here's what he said. Do you think well, free speech on campus is endangered? In, uh, I do not. Under assault? I, I think it's under assault, but I don't think it's in danger. Okay. And to me, the, the very roots of the center, uh, Downs founded the center after they fought against the faculty speech codes back in 1999. So this, the group, the faculty that banded together to, to fight that fight uh, ended up with this center what, five years later uh, when they formalized it. Um, and those, those folks are still coming to our events and we have got plenty of support from different political stripes uh, protecting free speech. The biggest, I think the biggest threats to free speech on campus are um, mid-level administrators. Because, um, because they're, I mean, they're, they have their own ideological agenda and they aren't really well versed in what the First Amendment is and why it's important. Uh, one of the things that the campus protest bill has done <clears throat> and the new policies on disruption on campus and I've been watching these administrators like okay here's the policy and they just sort of like they, they got it they don't they're not theoretically don't changing no but they're like they just thought oh our policy here is to um, enforce codes against hate speech Oh, in fact, that is not your job. Okay, we'll enforce these other codes. So, I mean, they their tendency was to go much too far um, in stifling speech on campus. But I've watched, you know, the person in particular that we're working with is okay. Let's let's do this. We'll get this speaker out. That's going to be controversial. Scott Mobley, the associate director of the center, who used to be a naval history professor had similar things to say. I've been with the center for a little over a year now, and I've had nothing but positive interactions with people around campus, um, including people that I know have, you know, a wide diversity of of, uh, political um, beliefs. And they, I mean, some are interested in partnering with us on a project or something. So (coughs) it's it's been very, very heartening. The center won't just invite anybody to speak on campus, however. They turned down Milo Yiannopoulos. You know, if they're simply provo- provocateurs like Milo, I don't, I don't, I not interest just provoking people on campus, but to bring the other side. So back to our mission, which is intellectual diversity. We asked how free speech is for faculty on campus. I have no concerns about my ability to say what I want to say on campus within the, the, the bounds of good taste. And I, I mean, I believe in the First Amendment, I also believe in good manners. Um, but I would, I will suggest that um, even though there's no f- sort of First Amendment issues, uh, certain career pathways that are closed off conservatives on campus. Republican lawmakers in Wisconsin often criticize the university for being too liberal or intolerant of conservative views, dismissing the Ivy Tower and eggheads. But Mobley said anti-intellectualism has a long history in America and crosses party lines. There's been a very strong and persistent 
theme in U.S. history of this, this uh, dislike for intellectuals. We're going to hear about someone in the legislature here making a comment about that. It's just, it's, they were doing it, you know, a hundred, I mean, that's kind of Andrew Jackson kind of ran on yeah. that platform. Used to be a Democrat thing. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's not unique to UW Madison. No. Campus is no, and it's not unique to this moment in history. So right now, this is the manifestation we're seeing. Mobley considers himself a centrist. Avramenko says he's a Canadian who became an American citizen. He sounds conservative to me. He tells Republican lawmakers in Wisconsin that free speech is still respected on campus. When I have these conversations with Republicans, I tell them it's not nearly as bad as you think. Yeah. The what the kind of things that you don't like are pretty much contained in the humanities and the social sciences. But other than that, you've just got a pretty good cross-section of America. It'll skew a little bit left. Um, you know, but what, what's wrong with the chemistry department? Why are you like, hating on the chemistry yeah, department? Yeah, and that's what right? I've, like, I've said to him too. Go over the business school or the engineering school. It's not like they're... Right. Like even so LNS, like, you know, the problems in LNS, but specifically if it's a problem, right? So the, the things that they regard as a problem will be in those humanities and the, and the uh, identity politics uh, mm -hmm. programs. Uh, it's because they're, they're, they're um, sort of, their approach to their research is through a particular lens and it's just, it's over and over and over again, that particular approach. Um, they try in a social scientist to be value-free in their research. So, you know, they're doing quantitative methods uh, investigating um, the agenda, uh, sort of a left agenda. And uh, so it just seems like, even those who are doing sort of value-free social science, it seems like it's just a non-stop barrage of left-wing politics. And so I tell them, like, it's not nearly as bad as you think. The center gets some money from the Charles Koch Foundation a conservative organization, but the center leaders say that the foundation is very hands-off. You know, the issue is with free speech now, when it comes to college campuses, when you're talking about defending free speech, what you're really talking about is making sure that conservative thoughts have a place to, to be on a, on a liberal college campus. That's really what the issue is all about nowadays. Um, and and there are some people who who seem to think that any thought that is is, is is a any any viewpoint that is conservative is somehow hate speech or racist or, or really derogatory to people. And we should shut down that type of dialogue. They've had at other campuses, not at UW Madison, speakers who have come and they have been shut down. They haven't been able to speak at their events. There was even I think police called in at Berkeley. There was riots in Berkeley, yeah. but that was Milo Yiannopoulos. That led to the UW Regents and Wisconsin lawmakers thinking about adopting rules to punish students who disrupt speakers on campus. We haven't taken a position yet on this specific policy per se, uh, the three strikes and you're expelled if you substantially interrupt the speech of other people, yeah. which hasn't happened. Nobody has been disciplined under this policy. No. So it doesn't seem like it's much of a problem. But Avramenko, the director of the Center for the Study of Liberal Democracy on the UW-Madison campus, said he supports the region's policy. If you come in and disrupt uh, or, you know, trample over someone's First Amendment rights, uh, you can be removed and you will get a warning. And then on the second, uh, if you do it again, uh, then you are suspended and the third time you're expelled. That's, that's the policy. Are you asking what I think of it? I'm fine with it. 
I, and you've heard me say how many times I welcome protesters at our events. And the disruption right? And I think it's a great learning moment to do it. Right. You just can't come in and walk over other people's rights. Protesters are disrupting. That's right, exactly. So dis it's, a, it's a disruption bill, not a protest. So bill. passive right. actions are okay. So you can come in there, you can dress in some type of satirical clothing or have a sign in front of yeah. you saying, you know, whatever. UW-Madison Chancellor Rebecca Blank got some tough questions about free speech on campus during a conference call with thousands of alumni back in 2017. Next, we have uh, Tim from Hartford. I know you've been on the line a while. Thanks for your patience, Tim. And uh, please uh, go ahead and ask your question of Chancellor Blank. I have seven children, and none of them are opting as they get old enough to go to college to go to Madison because of the perceived liberal bias. Interestingly enough, you spoke earlier uh, in your comments about diversity, that this is the most diverse class ever. And I'm very curious as to what you do as the chancellor to promote, not tolerate, not accept, but promote diversity of thought. When are we, are we going out and actually trying to get conservative professors and then touting that to make it such that those who tend to have more of a conservative bent feel welcome at our largest public college institution. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. And I, I hear this from state legislators as well in terms of this concern. So let me first say that the vast majority of my faculty, I think, would not consider themselves particularly politically um, attuned one way or the other in terms of their teaching or their research. If you're a chemist, if you're a mathematician, if you're in the health sciences, um, you know, many people in the business school or the engineering school are focused on specific issues that they do research in. And, you know, yes, there's some faculty who are very involved in current political issues because it's the nature of what they study, but that's quite a small minority. And I don't want to see the university mischaracterized as a highly political organization because I think that's not a fair characterization of the way most faculty would think about what they're doing or their job. Now, all of that said, um, I know all of the complaints about Madison as being way too liberal, and we surely have some liberal professors, but we also have some real diversity on our faculty as well. We've got a number of centers um, on that you know look at different forms of thought in the political science department. I actually am an economist, so I have an official appointment in the economics department, and you know that department over this last year has brought through a number of. Um, quite well-known conservative thinkers, including people who were major economists in previous Republican administrations. So, um, you know, I think any student who is looking for diversity of thought is going to find it. We have an active Young Republicans Club on campus. And, um, you know, I, anyone who's looking to hang out with just people who think like them is going to be able to do that as well. It's a big place. But um, I am quite concerned with making sure that this is a university that welcomes and encourages speech from across the spectrum. And part of our job is to teach people to listen and be able to articulate their response. Um, you don't have to agree with everything you hear, but you ought to come out of the university with a better sense of what you do believe and how you can argue for that, whatever your belief structure is. I thought that was a pretty good answer. And maybe there's some liberal bias in the liberal in the in the in the liberal arts colleges at UW Madison, like the political science school or the history department or the sociology department. I, you know, I haven't met a conservative sociologist yet, but, but that's a, that kind of a small f fraction of the student body. And, you know, most of these students are, you know, I don't think engineering professors are either liberal or conservative. This next week, by the way, Jonah Goldberg, another columnist who appears in the Wisconsin State Journal. That liberal who hates <laughs> Trump so much? Yeah, he's actually a conservative who worked at National Review. Who hates Trump so much. And he hates Trump. 
He's going to be talking about tribalism on campus next week. Uh, this is another uh, free speech event that uh, we may go to as well. Yeah. If you ever want to meet <laughs> Bill Hans and Scott Milford in the same place. And Jonah Goldberg, even better. But on the topic of tribalism, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that on, say, the UW-Madison campus, and probably most of the campuses, but especially Madison, the tribe that is most prevalent is the liberal progressive tribe. Absolutely. Uh, but that's young people. Young people tend to be more liberal. That's right. You tend to get less liberal when you start paying property taxes and when your school board starts taking the police officers out of the high schools. And you see how dumb these kids are nowadays. (laughs) And get off my lawn. (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, right. Even Paul Soglin got get off my lawnish in his old age. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he hated The red those. mayor got conservative. Get these parties off of State Street. Put more cops on the street. Oh, that's right. He was he was behind a war on fun. Well, so anyway. This means inherently you're more conservative than me. <laughs> Wait, why is that? Because you're older than me. Oh, right. Well, and it doesn't always work that way. But, but, but I think there is some intimidation probably of conservative views on campus. Well, there was that incident recently where there was a young woman uh, taping signs to the Republican Party, the college Republican Party headquarters that said like racist and Trump supporter and stuff like that uh, on the on their windows. And it was intimidating. I mean, I think the big issue is that is that, uh, you know, kids are sort of brought up nowadays. And I don't want to talk about kids these days, but there's a lot <laughs> of discussion of hate speech in an early age for people. Yeah. And hate speech, you know, we, we are conflating, you know, advocating for the genocide of all Jews, which the Nazis did, with a right-of-center viewpoint. We actually don't run a lot of those letters when people are saying that uh, Ron Johnson is behaving like a Nazi or something. Yeah. Which he's not. He's not gassing anyone and killing them. At least to our knowledge. (laughs) There's a whole group of people, especially young people, that that think that speech can be really dangerous. and they need to. It needs to be. It needs to be quiet. If it's da- dangerous ideas, need to be shot down before they can grow. And the the correct view, as I see it, and the American view, is that dangerous, incorrect ideas should be dispelled with better ideas. That's right. Uh, with more convincing arguments. And you can't do that if people are controlling what people are saying. Our house band is Tube Tester. To find out more about Jonah Goldberg's appearance in Madison, go to go.madison.com slash Goldberg to subscribe to the Wisconsin State Journal's digital edition and support more than 40 journalists in our newsroom. Go to madison.com slash subscribe now.